0: right, folks, welcome to the Take the Points College Football Podcast. It is the college football playoff special. We are going to focus mainly this episode on the two playoff games, Alabama versus Notre Dame in the uh, Texas (coughs) Rose Bowl and Clemson versus Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. We'll have a few other thoughts on some other games. I've also got Dan and Ryan live via Zoom monitoring the uh, Oklahoma Florida Cotton Bowl, which we thought was going to be a blowout, but Florida's kept it close. So we'll have live updates as we record on a Wednesday night. And uh, we have some 90s music talk following up on our last episode for anyone who heard that. Dan has some thoughts. Um, But first, I will kick it over to Dan and Ryan. Anything you want to talk about from the bowl games that have already happened? Uh, Your Texas Horns had an impressive showing last night, Dan.
1: Bijan Robinson looking great in the backfield. Also, the backup quarterback who might be the starter next year had four touchdowns in the second half. After like that, outside of that, this whole season is completely out of control with COVID and opt-outs, and um, it's really hard to predict up until about two hours before a game starts. Honestly, before you have really any information, and then even after that, um, you can't really overreact. We've seen. You know, um, Miami's quarterback get injured and the overs still come in. We've seen Sam Ellinger get hurt and Texas still score 50 points. We got Florida missing uh, eight starters and like 20 players overall. They're down four points um, and moving the ball again. Uh, you know, it just shows that college football is a lot about coaching and schemes and, and you know, players just um, are rotated into that. So anyway – long winded way of saying it's been really interesting. If you love college football, it's been a fun bowl season. If you're a casual fan, these are the worst games of all time. Um, Luckily I and we fall into category a, so it's been working out just fine. Like I'm really enjoying this Florida, Oklahoma game because there's players playing. I really haven't seen all year, but these guys were amazing in high school and a lot of freshmen and sophomores who are going to be playing next year. We're seeing tonight. And, uh, just a lot
0: of fun overall. I mean, the bowl games have always been like that, except for <clears throat> the top BCS games. People forget that even pretty good teams always played um, a lot of new guys in the bowl games. And it was always seen as, unless you're competing for a national championship or, say, a top five spot, the bowl was seen as a segue to next year, like the kickoff of the following season. Yeah. So this that's not really unusual, I don't think. Um, it might be a little over exaggerated this year. Ryan, anything that stood out to you the last week before we move on?
2: Um, I mean Dan pretty much you know nailed everything. It's a little bit of a weird uh, bowl season. It hasn't been great. Uh, it was uh, it was great watching Hawaii. That was fun on Christmas Eve Hawaii Football Like that's that's a tradition that you know started a long time ago for us. And um, that was kind of nice to get that back. So it wasn't the same because it wasn't on the island. But, uh, you know, it was fun to watch Hawaii on Christmas Eve.
0: It's been a mixed bag for me on a gambling side of things. Um, Liberty kept it close. Well, they won against Coastal, but they were obviously able to cover the spread, which we thought might happen. Uh, ULL, unfortunately, was not the blowout of the year as we expected. But uh, Hawaii did well. Um, what else Memphis did well, the Georgia teams and, uh, Nevada are sneaky pick. They managed to win by 11 points. So I feel pretty good about our gambling picks at the very least. Um, all right, before we get into the playoffs, I just want to run through all of the other games that we're really not going to talk about and just see if you guys have any picks or anything to watch or just a short, you know, 20 second synopsis. So... Tulsa plays uh, Mississippi State in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. That's tomorrow. Also tomorrow, we have West Virginia versus Army. And Ball State playing versus undefeated San Jose State out in the Arizona Bowl out your way. So anything in those games?
1: Those games are uh, horrible and not entertaining. And uh, even I have no angle on any of the three. Mac
2: versus Whack. That's, uh, that's the only watchable game for me in that, in that uh, trifecta. <clears throat> um, yeah, why not? I like the Mac. I like the Whack. You know, it kind of reminds me of the McDonald's versus WAC Donald's. And, uh, you know, with Coming Into America 2, releasing a trailer, I think it's appropriate. Let's go. I'll watch that game.
0: I'm with you and I like the nine and a half with Ball State the best team in the Mac getting nine and a half against the best team in the WAC. Don't let the undefeated uh, record fool you. Um I uh, think ball state's just as good.
2: I don't agree. I like San Jose State by double digits. Let's do this.
0: Oh wow. All right. Our first disagreement on the game we're never really talking about.
2: Uh, fire on the fountain. Mac doesn't know what they're getting into out in Tucson. Things get a little weird down there. <laughs> That's we've, a long
0: way. From- uh, yeah, no, we've we've said enough about Tucson this year, so we'll let them slide for now. All right, moving on to New Year's Day, the the little games before the big games. Auburn uh, getting three and a half against Northwestern in the Citrus Bowl. Georgia, a touchdown favorite against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. And I believe that's it besides the two playoff games. So, uh, citrus and peach, any picks?
1: Uh, my favorite wager of the bowl season is Auburn plus three and a half. I feel like that's, that's preferred. First of all, that helps. Second of all, I think you saw in the second half against Ohio state, Ohio state just ran the ball at will. Uh, that dude sermon ran for 300 yards I think Auburn's just going to just run at them uh, at ease, use their SEC talent to lean on them and just be too much and be overwhelming. And I really like Auburn to win outright um, in a large way, uh, in a blowout actually.
0: Ryan, as the uh, Boise State and WAC guy, how do you feel about the hiring of Brian Hartson as the new Auburn coach?
2: I think it's, you know, I think we're going to know pretty quick. Uh, what what it's gonna be, but I'm optimistic. Uh, initially, I really I was kind of shocked, and I was like, you know what, let's do this. Like the guy can coach. Let's see if he can recruit down there. I mean, it's tough. You got to go against Shang Sung over in Tuscaloosa, but you know, you don't start at Shang Sung. You got to earn your way up there. You know, you got to knock off some other people first. And, uh, you know, he's got Goro down there in in the bayou that he's got to get to first. So, you know, he'll make his way through, but I'm confident. I'm uh, optimistic. I'd like to give him a shot. You know, we'll see. Goro, waiting for him in the basement. It's
0: a good reference. Yeah, Yeah, I, I feel like, well, he's obviously a great coach and would be a great hire for any major program. The going so far out of region thing concerns me a little bit when it comes to recruits and just uh, sort of like we saw with Joe Moorhead going to Mississippi state, like sometimes guys go to the wrong region of the country where they don't uh, culturally always fit in. So I have no idea what Brian Hartson is like personally and whether that'll be the case, but it'll be interesting to see. There's never been a better time to go to the sec West um, besides Alabama, like every other team's down. So I think there's a good chance to immediately vault Auburn back into the second place being the second best team in that division. So,
2: Absolutely. you know, we'll, we'll see, but uh, in terms of those two games real quick, my favorite bet is to go ahead and do the two team six point teaser. Go ahead and move that Cincy, Georgia game to 57 and the Auburn Northwestern game up to 49 and a half and go ahead and bet both unders. Uh, so that's my play on these two games. You don't have to watch them. It's kind of the only way to bet unders and these are unwatchable games. So I like the six point tees, move it up a little bit, bet the under, just get ready for the 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 two bowl games.
0: All right. Uh, Moving along to Saturday, January 2nd, we have the Outback Bowl with Ole Miss against Indiana. That's a eight and a half to nine point line, depending on where you look. Um, NC state getting two and a half against Kentucky in the tax Slayer Gator bowl and Texas A&M against UNC in the orange bowl. That is a seven and a half point line in favor of Texas A&M. And then uh, also the Oregon ducks against Iowa state, sort of a forgotten bowl game there. The fiesta Bowl, right out by you guys, not forgotten by you in Arizona. That's a four point line in favor of Iowa state. Uh, which I thought was a little surprising. So that really takes us to the end aside from the playoffs. Um, Anything stand out there or uh, interest you guys either to watch or to bet?
1: Well, the first thing that's interesting is the game between Oregon and Iowa state, the Fiesta bowl, the quarterback of Oregon um, and the quarterback of Iowa state um, are both from Phoenix. Uh, Purdy went to Chandler or no, Purdy's from Gilbert, and Tyler Schlow is from um, Chandler, and they are the same age, and they played uh, against each other four times in high school. And how funny is it that they meet in a bowl game for the fifth time um, here in Arizona, uh, both in college. That's pretty amazing. Fun fact, in two of the games that they played, the final score was 65-63 in both of the games. In two of the games. Uh, in two, of the high, in two of the four high school games, they were quarterbacks in. So what's the what's
0: the head-to-head record in high school? I'm not
1: sure what the head-to-head was, but they're the same class. But anyway, um, moral of the story, I'm taking an over because of this. The over is low in the Oregon, Iowa State was 58. 58, 58.
0: so they'll both Raw. get it individually.
1: Uh, this is a high school shootout out here um, uh, at the Arizona Cardinal Stadium with no fans, or like 5,000. It's going to be great. So I like the over in that. And what was the first game you picked, you said? Uh,
0: the first game's Ole Miss getting eight yeah. and a half against Indiana.
1: Ole Miss has no players. They literally don't even know who they can put on the field between uh, COVID and opt outs. Um, it's going to be pretty funny to watch. Uh, that being said, I still don't think Indiana can really score a lot of points. So um, look for an under in this game. Uh, as weird as that sounds with an old Miss, I think it'll, the total will be inflated and I think you can get an under in there.
0: It's at 66 currently. It actually went down. You might be on to something because it opened at 69.5 and, and it's yeah, already dropped three 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 and a half points.
1: I like the under in that and I like the over and the Fiesta Bowl in those, in those two.
0: All right, Ryan, any picks from that group?
2: Uh, I agree with Dan uh, on the oregon I was game. I was going to suggest do the same thing, but the opposite uh, as my last. Go ahead and take that six-point teaser, move that Oregon-Iowa State down to 52 and bet that over. That's great. And then move the UNC A&M down to 59.5 and bet that over. That's getting to 60 points, guaranteed. Uh, So that's my favorite right there. I'm kind of into these teasers right now. I like these two-way six-point teasers. It's kind
1: of fun. Again, be careful with COVID and opt-outs. North Carolina is missing everyone except for Howell. Same thing as Florida. Number one running back, number one wide receiver, X, Y, and Z. It's it's really hard to say. But given normal North Carolina defense and offense, any total with them in the 50s still is good money. Exactly. If you can get that down under sixty,
2: they're going to give up forty-five. So can they get twenty? Great, the Mond
1: show. Mond's throwing four or five touchdowns. You know it to elevate his draft stock to like fucking early second round. To waste everybody's time. You know it. You know it. You know it. Jimbo loves to feast on these fake ranked teams. <laughs> oh, what
0: yeah, team? Yeah. What NFL team is going to pull the trigger on Mond?
1: Oh, you don't want it. it's probably the Steelers. It's gonna be bad. Um,
0: How about them Cowboys?
1: Cowboys, they can make him.
2: I was going to say it's, it has to be someone in the Jalen Hurts division. Yeah, it just it just feels very very much like if Hurts has a good week seventeen, some team in the division, but like Mond's kind of a better version of Hurts. Let's do that.
0: I think the Washington football team would be perfect just cutting Dwayne Haskins. They'll be like, yeah, sure. Sure. We messed that one up. That big college star who didn't have the NFL talent, but this time's totally different. Kellen Mond, come on over. He'd be a a perfect, perfect fit in a long line of uh, disappointing Washington football team quarterbacks. Anyway, here's my, here's my picks.
2: They might make the play. Hang on real quick. They might make the playoffs and like not have like, the draft pick to actually get one of the elite quarterbacks in the first round, they might take like Mond in the fourth and be like, let's do this. Alex Smith for one more year on a leg and let's go.
0: Well, I don't want to talk about this now because I, I kind of want to either do a long national championship episode or maybe do one final episode afterwards, because I think this year has been really unique and we should reflect on it. But uh, I also think this draft is absolutely loaded in general, but especially at quarterback. And I think you can get some really good guys in like even mid, late first round, possibly even the second round. I mean, if you consider a guy like Kellen Mond, good, he's probably dropping to the second round with all the other talent out there. I mean, you well, obviously have round. you have he's Trev great. and Fields, but you also have Zach Wilson, whose stock is rising. You got the guy from North Dakota. I, yeah, I mean. Tre- yeah, there's so many good guys. I, I mean, somebody's uh, people are going to draft Ian Book, you know, like mid second round.
1: Um, uh, one hypothetical: uh, our Longhorns, our quarterback Sam Ellinger. A lot of um, insider information, from what I'm hearing, is saying that they aren't going to allow him to come back and play one more year, which he's eligible for, even though he's you know finished and graduated.
0: Well, that's. I mean, isn't that the rule, right? Like in addition to anyone being able to opt out for COVID this year doesn't count unless you want it to, which is why uh, De'Ara King just announced um, before his injury. Unfortunately, he announced that he's coming back next year, even though he should have been done.
1: If you're Ellinger and obviously you aren't going to be an NFL quarterback. Do you consider transferring to like Alabama for one year? Would they take them and like feel like you can run our system or like, where could he go? Like it's I think very,
0: Alabama's a reach. Uh, Clemson's yeah, got yeah. DJ, yeah. so they don't South need him. South
2: Carolina's quarterback just entered the transfer portal. That that sounds like he could go over to South Carolina and dick around in that yeah. oh, SEC. I mean,
0: he could go there for sure. I wouldn't recommend it.
2: No, but I'm saying like that's Do the A&M level. M for one year. Go. go I go mean, how West? about
0: how about Oregon? They need a quarterback again next year, right?
1: Sam in Oregon is kind of interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities of guys who like aren't good enough for the NFL too, who can come back. It's really weird.
0: I feel like he belongs out in the Pac-12 or somewhere else in the Big 12. Like he's a gunslinger.
1: He's he's going to Arizona.
0: (laughs) That that crossed my mind, but that'd be horrible. He should go play for Herm. I don't know who they got out there for next year, but
1: they got a kid who's good. They actually like him a sophomore. So actually. He should go to Arizona because they just hired the Patriots QB coach as the head coach, so he can go work with the quarterback's coach.
0: There you go. I mean it, it might be rough next year, but it'll get him ready for the draft.
1: There you go. All right, Tom, we're gonna to do some All right. big thick, thick lines.
0: Yeah, let's let's get to the important game. So uh, let's start with I guess the easier of the two, which is the four o'clock game. The Rose Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Uh twenty twenty. Yep. Oh, it, it's we have to just like process this year and have this is why, another reason we need like a final episode after the championship game because yeah. this yeah. year has been crazy. Jerry
2: Jones presents the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that's that's the, the official Our name Lincoln that I'm giving it. It's bang bang! What's the hype? Jerry Jones presents the Rose Bowl.
0: So we got the four seed, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, versus the one seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. The over under 65 and a half Alabama, depending where you look, I've always seen it at 20, but I'm looking right now and I'm actually seeing it at 19 and a half. So is it possible the line has moved toward Notre Dame? It seems to suggest that, uh, Notre Dame 10 and one five and six against the spread Alabama 11 and 0, 8 and three against the spread. Uh, Alabama, I think has been the most impressive team all year. Clearly, three Heisman finalists out of the final five, which is, I think, unprecedented, uh, yeah. at least as far as I can remember. Um, and then Notre Dame, you know, let's not sell them short either, even though they're coming in as a big underdog. Uh, Ian Book becomes the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Brian Kelly's a few games away from being the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. They actually beat, they beat Clemson. I know it has an asterisk, but You know, they beat them, they joined the ACC, they made the ACC title game year one. So I'm going to kick it off to the two of you guys uh, to start, and I'll I'll take this one last.
1: All right, Tom, well, this is real simple. This goes back to rule one, article one, clause one, line one, paragraph one, chapter one, (laughs) you bet Alabama or you don't bet the game. All right. You know, Hitler tried to take (laughs) over the world, Tom. (laughs) And he didn't look to what happened in the past. Dan, are you trying to
0: get us a show on the history channel?
1: (laughs) I'm trying to have some fun this week. So I bring Hitler up. So, um, he didn't see that Napoleon tried to go into Russia and it didn't work. And he did the same thing and it cost him the war. Now, Notre Dame has also tried to invade the college football playoff in the past, and those invasions have been met with swift force. I'll never forget the Nashville title game that had uh, Alabama against Notre Dame, where Notre Dame looked like children on the football field um, compared to Alabama. If you bet Notre Dame and lose, you should have someone kick you in the ass. Because even if you win money, it's still the wrong bet. If if you have to bet this game, you have to bet Alabama. You have to lay the points. It's an unprecedented offense. Um, it's an unprecedented offense. It, it, they're just a machine. Um, Notre Dame's been known to choke in big spots. Allegedly, this Notre Dame team's a different team, and they learn from their mistakes, and this, that, and the other. I don't care. I'm betting Alabama. I'm not going to make it a giant bet, but I'm still betting Alabama. <coughs> Alabama uh, has averaged 38 points per game in their last three games. Wait, did I say 38? I'm at 38 in the first half. They've averaged in their past three games. That's one of the craziest you'll ever here in football. Um, you can't you can't bet against these guys. You, there, there's literally no argument to be made for Notre Dame. None. So uh, therefore, Alabama. Right. Uh,
2: ditto. Yeah. All of that. And yeah, like just unlike Dan, I will, I will disagree on one thing. He said he wouldn't be making a large wager on Alabama. That's the only disagreement I have with him on the entire thing. He just said, uh, yeah, Alabama, large, large, large.
0: I'll never and forget our, our friend over,
2: over. They're dropping 55 minimum.
0: Okay. Yeah, so we got a uh, a double up by Ryan, Alabama, and the over. And then, Dan, Alabama, over or no?
1: Alabama, over, until further notice. Um, Actually, it's late in the year. Alabama, over is period. You can't bet an under against this offense. When Devontae Smith is running down the field with his hand up in the air, you can't bet the under. It's almost like Alabama overs are almost like rule 1B at this point. You can't bet the under because you feel like an idiot. I got burned twice this year betting an Alabama under. It's like the worst feeling of all time. It's just like, oh, look, it's 38-10 at half and I have an under 59 ticket. I'm fucked. Like it happens. Like that's literally exactly how it happens. So don't let that happen to you.
0: Part of betting is self-care and not putting yourself in a situation where you're going to feel horrible. Even if you do. Oh, win. Worst. Uh, all right.
1: I mean, it's okay to like lay 20 and like not cover, but you can't just bet an under and be like, Oh, this is dead. Where are those nachos at? Like it just, it sucks.
0: Well, the it thing, sucks. as we always say with the over you're, you're in it till the clock hits zero, zero with the under, you could blow it in the third quarter. All right, Tom. What do you like? All right, here's here's uh, I'll, I'll give you my pick, uh, my honest pick. But then the reason I wanted to go last is because I pretty much knew what you guys were going to say, and I felt uh, it was necessary or important to sort of provide the opposing viewpoint, uh, even oh. though it's can't really be made. But I, I thought I would do like a OJ if I did it style, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Why we sh- why we should con- consider Notre Dame? Like I'll make the case for Notre Dame, um, even though I don't believe it. Uh, my honest opinion is that this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, Alabama's going to win by roughly thirty-eight points, and uh, I'll never forget our friend Mike Roberts when Alabama played Notre Dame in that title game, that the aforementioned Manti Te'o game of twenty twelve. He texted all of us, and he he just goes bet everything you own. He's like you got a house, mortgage, take out a second mortgage, bet it. This is going to be the biggest blowout in title game history. And I don't think by, you know, virtue of the score alone, I don't think it ended up being the biggest blowout, but if you watched those games, you know, it's hard it's hard to think of a title game where one team got worked over as bad as that game. You know what I mean? Like even the Nebraska Florida game of, you know, 95 or whatever. Like I felt like that Florida was a better team than 2012 Notre Dame. Uh, So I think Alabama is going to destroy them and I'll be uh, betting large on Alabama. As Ryan said, I don't like the over under quite as much because I think there's a chance this one could be like, you know, 43 to 18 or something that just sneaks under, but it's still a blowout. Um, all right. I, I will now int- attempt the impossible, which is to make a case for Notre Dame and why this Notre Dame team is different. Um, even though Notre Dame in this century has been in um, playoff or BCS games, I believe five times, and they've lost all five of those, and four of them were blowouts. So, if you want to Google that, you know, since I think two thousand one, every time Notre Dame's in a big game, they are uh, Bob Stoops esque in their uh, destruction in big games.
2: Um, I'd rather have Bob Stoops than Brian Kelly.
0: Me too. Me too. For sure. Um, here would be, here would be my case. If, uh, you like living dangerously and you want to bet Notre Dame. Number one, this Notre Dame team is better than the 2012 team. Absolutely. And even the team that got blown out a, uh, a year or two ago in the first round by Clemson. Um, they have, Uh, better playmakers pretty much everywhere. They have a better run game. They have some, you know, big receivers who can make plays. Ian book is now a senior and has, you know, he's no Zach Mills award winner. Like he has gotten a little bit better each year, even though we don't think he's the greatest quarterback. Um, Notre Dame also, you know, had the signature win against Clemson. I know it was a backup quarterback, but they were able to it was, you know, it was the same defense and they were still able to put up 47 points on that Clemson team. They came into the ACC and, um, they made it all the way undefeated to the title game. And so they have played some, they've they've played a semi-challenging schedule and they really only looked bad in one game. Um, where of course it was last week and they looked really bad. And that's what everyone remembers. And everyone remembers the other, um, you know, the other blowout wins. But if you look at the, um, the bulk of the, or the totality rather of the entire season, they are definitely the fourth best team. I have come to that conclusion. They belong in the playoff and they're, they're better than other years. They also have um, a good running game. That's their strength. They had um, the best rushing performance against Clemson this year. And that seems to be um, Alabama's one weakness is uh, short slant passes and a good run game up the middle, which they can do both of those. So the teams that were able to move the ball and score on Alabama, um, Notre Dame is able to do the same types of things. Um, That would be my case. You've also got the winningest uh, quarterback in Notre Dame history and therefore the best quarterback in Notre Dame history and the near winningest cute. coach in Notre Dame history and therefore the second best coach in Notre Dame history, Brian Kelly and Ian book. Um, so that would be the case that Notre Dame could cover. I don't think anyone on earth would make the case that Notre Dame can win. And, uh, one of these teams gets boat raced every single playoffs it seems. And this is just the obvious candidate. So I felt like it was, um, we had to do some fairness in advertising or fairness in broadcasting, but I'll be betting large on Alabama, just like 2012. I'll be listening to Vampire Weekend. I'll be, uh, what else happened in 2012? (laughs) I'm going to do a throwback day. Uh,
2: I don't know. That that was the year Dan and I moved to
1: Arizona.
0: That's right. Okay.
1: It's going to be cold. I want you guys to
0: to pack up, go to Syracuse, move back to Arizona. Listen to some vampire weekend on the way. That large on Alabama. Text Mike Roberts and uh, we'll call it twenty twelve all over again.
1: That's right. Um I hope Notre Dame gets killed just for the reason that they expand the playoff to eight teams. Because after they get waxed and they'll be like, Maybe it was A M. Maybe Georgia secretly with two losses was the best team. How about this Oklahoma team that's blown out Florida? Like it gives those teams more of a shot to be the, you know, the five, six, seven, uh, eight seeds and pull an upset and be relevant. Um, and people are tired of Notre Dame, you know, getting in on name. This should be the final straw that allows other teams to get in. Now they're not going to let other teams to get in as just the four, but they'll let them get in in an eighteen field. So I think Notre Dame will still be part of the College Bowl playoff nearly every year, but at least they will be an eighteen field as they get
0: crushed against the number two
1: seed, you know, it won't be as significant because this is a waste
0: of time. Like using the so, take the, the, take the points um, method that we came up a few years ago for an eight team playoff with uh, five winners, um, the best uh, group of five team and two at large, who would we have? So we'd have Alabama wins the sec Clemson wins the ACC Ohio state wins the big 10 Oklahoma from the big 12 and Oregon from the pac 12 Cincinnati gets in and then yeah. we have two at larges. So it would be the two top ranked teams. So Notre Dame would be one at large. They'd be your your seven seed in this case. A-M-A. And Am and would be your eight seed. That sounds like a pretty good playoff to me.
1: Yes. Or maybe you make Cincinnati the eight seed because they're the lowest ranked or some shit and they play Alabama, but then you get like AM at six playing against like Ohio State, the three. That's really a fun, like that's, that's what the first round should be. Ohio State, A&M. That makes total sense.
0: Yeah. We never really figured out how the seeding would go, whether the, the five conference winners automatically get the top five spots or it's just purely based on rankings. I don't think it nope. matters. I think you throw those teams in any combination, and you've got yourself a pretty think, good eighteen yeah. playoff.
2: I pick. I pick the matchups, and we're going to go ahead and just base it on like what's the best regional thing we could do. That's so what I'd
0: that, like to see: Cincy, Ohio State.
2: Correct. Yeah. That's like the three-six matchup because Cincy's legit. They deserve a six. That's the three-six.
0: And it's obviously Luke Fickle, former Ohio state, um, coordinator exactly. slash interim coach for a year.
2: They get all the, the stories, all that shit. It's great. It's perfect. Um, bragging rights in the state, the whole deal. Okay. So that's one of them. And then we get the <clears throat> four or the, uh, who's the two Clemson's the two seed for sure. Let's yeah. go put Clemson against, uh, Oregon, the Pac-12 champ. It'll be fun. Clemson, Oregon, that's going to be fun. Great uniforms, interesting offenses, good like stories. Uh, and then you get Oklahoma, who had, you know, two losses. Oklahoma is the eighth seed. You get them against Alabama. That's so good. Over under 106 and a half. That's, like, the biggest brand names you can get down there. Like, it's perfect. So, yeah. And then the 4-5 is what? Notre Dame and a which is, that's the Correct. argument that everyone's having. Let's make them play as the 4-5. That's really mm-hmm. good.
0: I like that a lot. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think a combination of rankings, or I guess it would be rankings, but we will ask the committee to take into account those sort of matchups and uh, avoid teams that have already played in the season, put together teams that are um, would make sense both in the rankings and in the, the stories and compelling games. We want compelling games for all of them. No Alabama Notre Dame.
2: There you
0: go. All right, let's move along. All state Sugar Bowl, 8 p.m. New Year's Day. The Ohio State University Buckeyes are getting seven and a half points against Clemson, and the over under is 66 and a half. Ohio State 6-0 on the season, 3-3 against the spread, coming off a Big Ten championship where they, as you mentioned, had an all-time rushing record against Northwestern. Clemson, meanwhile, coming off the throttling of Notre Dame. They win the ACC. They're 10-1 overall. Uh, you know, perfect record when Trev plays. As I said, that one loss has an asterisk this season. 5-6 uh, and six against the spread, however. So, who wants to take it first?
1: I'll take this one, Tom. A uh, lot of stuff here. Um, the game last year was really amazing. Clemson was lucky not to get blown out in the first half. Ohio State never put him away. Clemson came back, won the game, held on late with an interception in the end zone. Um, this year's Clemson team's offense, uh, I don't think is as good as last year's, clearly. Um, but I don't think this Ohio State team is as good as last year either. It's kind of weird. I think both teams are, aren't quite as good as last year, to be completely honest with you. Um, last year's game was a coin flip, and um, this year everyone's kind of writing off Ohio State and Justin Fields, um, but last year Fields looked amazing against Clemson. He just threw a pick late when the wide receiver went the wrong way. Seven and a half is a lot of points. Uh, Some late-breaking news, Clemson's offensive coordinator won't be there to call the game because he'll be out with COVID. That'll play some sort of factor. Um, I hate Ohio State, and I can't stand them, but I cannot lay seven and a half with Clemson in this spot at all. Um, I think there's a good chance Ohio State wins this game outright, Um, and there's also a chance this is the last game you see Davos Sweeney as head coach at Clemson potentially too. I think there's a real chance he goes to Jacksonville Trev. So, yeah, this could be the end of an era. We'll see. But maybe Clemson finds a way to win again and plays Alabama. So hard to say. Hard to go against Clemson, but I, I can't lay the seven and a half myself. And as far as the total goes, I'll take an under. Um, I, I'm not sure what the number even is, but Clemson unders and big games seem to be the way. I believe last year, even against Ohio State, that under came in, even though like no one, you know, it was just score, score, score with a bunch of field goals, punts, and like, no punts. It was weird. Turnover on downs. Yeah, last
0: Turnover. year. So the over under is 66 and a half up one point from where it opened. And last year's game was 29, 23. So didn't yep. even get to 60.
1: I also like an under again this year. That's the only thing I'll probably bet in this game and root for Clemson. Maybe a Clemson money line under hook, but I will not lay the seven and a half. Can't do it. Ohio State's never in the spot where they're an underdog and they get this like kind of disrespected. Um, they feel like they gave last year's game away too. They still got Fields. They still got Chris Olave. They still got Trey Sermon. They'll be fine. It's going to be a coin flip game. Take the seven and a half. As much
0: as it kills me. Ryan, you want to go next? All right, I'll I'll go next. Actually, I want to go next because I'm going to just repeat so much of what you said, Dan. This is a really, really difficult game to pick. And I uh, wholeheartedly agree that both teams are not as good as last year. However, I do think last year's game is a good model to use going forward. I think everybody's just assuming we're going to get Alabama versus Clemson. Ryan's up to some shenanigans.
2: No, no, no. I just, I knocked the iPad
0: down. It's all right. So I did not, I was not aware of the Clemson offensive coordinator, um, not being available. That's a big thing because where Ohio state, I think has the biggest advantage is um, in the trenches, the line play everywhere else. I think I lean a slight advantage to Clemson. Um, but it's a physical game. And if Ohio state can make it a physical game and if they can use the, the newfound, uh, amazing rushing that they had against Northwestern, especially in that second half with, uh, I keep calling him Eric sermon, but Trey sermon and master Teague and, uh, fields using his legs, hopefully then I think they can make something happen. Uh, there on the ground game, Olave will be back. I've heard some talk recently about, you know, Justin Fields started the season hot, but he's uh, not been as good in the second half. First off, the second half of the season is like two games for them. And he's just only playing every other week. Um, I don't always love the sort of stat breakdowns, um, you know, it's one thing to consider, but you also have to watch the games and I watch a lot of big 10 and Justin fields really looks remarkable. You know, he's not Dwayne Haskins or, uh, you know, whoever else has been, you know, recently winning at Ohio state, but not a next level talent. Justin fields, I think is a sort of next level talent, not quite to the level of, of Trev obviously, but, um, close. Um, I think, well, well, nobody's close to Trav, but I, I think he's the second-best quarterback in college right now. Um, the problem as I see it is Ohio State has the weakest secondary they've had in, um, God, like as long as I can remember, probably since the 90s. And Clemson just happens to have the best quarterback of all time. So that's a problem. Um, and I think Clemson's passing game is really what I list as the as the deciding factor. I mean, you have a week, a week by Ohio state standard secondary versus uh, Trev who's just tearing it up. And um, I know the receivers aren't quite as good at Clemson, but um, with EJ Williams emerging the freshman, I think this, he's got a lot of weapons there last year's game. Lawrence had something like 110 yards rushing himself and ETN, I think only had like 40 yards. Well, both of these coaches are really good and they know how to adapt, and they're surely going to look at last year's game. So I think that's sort of going to flip. They're going to be able to contain Trevor running, um, but I think ETN's going to break out and they're going to find new ways to get him the ball. You know, he might not have 100 yards on the ground, so to speak, but he'll get screen passes and, um, you know, they'll put him out in the slot and give him wide receiver screens and things like that. I think the key for Dabo is getting the ball to ETN and making things happen in open space and not allowing him to be contained, um, the way that he was last year. So I do have to say that I think Clemson squeaks it out and advances to the national championship game, but I think Ohio state is right in this. I'm taking the seven and a half points and I wouldn't be shocked at all. If they win outright, I'd give them a, you know, 35% chance of winning the game outright, which is really interesting because I, I don't want to spoil this, but like, I think Clemson's the best matchup against Alabama. And so we're all tempted to just put them in that game, the game that everybody wants to see, you know, the, the, the best team versus Trev in his final game. But I think you're making a big mistake. If you just pencil them right in right past Ohio state, I think this one's going to come down to the wire. Ryan.
2: Okay, uh, counterpoint.
0: It's no fun if we all agree, right?
2: Oh, we're not going to agree. So, if Ohio State played Notre Dame, what would the spread be?
0: If they played Notre Dame,
2: right? If it was Ohio State Notre Dame in the first in the playoff game, what would it be?
0: Six or seven?
2: Yeah. Right. Ohio State's about a touchdown better than Notre Dame. Okay. What did Clemson do to Notre Dame last week? 34-10. Ohio State's a touchdown better. 34-17 sounds about right to me. Uh that's kind of the way I'm looking at this. I honestly I just think Clemson's that much better. Uh, you're talking about ETN, like he had 412 yards last week. 412 total yards. Like it's just craziness. Like these guys have been playing together for so long, Etienne and Trev. And now without the offensive coordinator, I actually think that might be a little bit of an advantage for Clemson because now Trev's can just call whatever the hell he wants. They're just going to let him call plays. And you said he's the best quarterback of all time. And now you're taking – the leash off of him a little bit. The guy who's like, okay, let's, all right, let slow it down. Let's get a nice, simple run play to the left here. This is, you know, slow it down, go easy. Like, no, Trev's just going to go freaking pedal to the metal on these guys. He's calling plays. Him and Etienne have the best connection outside of Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. And it's going to be, I think Clemson's going to run away with this game. I don't believe the Ohio State hype. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're better than last year's team. And honestly, I think that Clemson just has such an advantage at like almost every level. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know that there's an Ohio State guy better at his position than any Clemson player outside of like a couple of like interior linemen. I know Ohio State's got a couple of good, like, you know, center guard. They always do. I'll give them that. But like outside of that, like this is Clemson's better at every level. And I think they're just going to turn this into like a seven on seven game. And they're going to, they're just going to run them off the field. I think it's going to be like 38, 20. I really do.
0: All right. I mean, as the Big Ten guy, I really want to see Trevor in the championship game in his final season. I mean, I, th- I think that would be the best outcome for America. But, you know, my my counter-counterpoint is that you say uh, Clemson has the advantage at almost every position. I sort of agree with that. I think um, you can make the case that Olavi's the best receiver. But the... And, and then the run game, obviously, ETN's probably the best running back in the whole country, unless you count um, Najee as higher. But, you know, it's different styles of run game. So, you know, what style is going to play off? Uh, Ohio State has the advantage in the trenches, I think. And that's where football games are won. It's easy to forget when guys are, you know, going five wide and slinging it around. Not, but like...
2: twenty twenty. Absolutely not in 2020. Quarterback is where it's won. That's why I Trev Mac Jones, the two best quarterbacks in the country. It's a quarterback league. Ask Josh Allen if it's a quarterback league, Tom. Whoa. Come on now, Tom. I mean, ask
0: ask uh, ask Trevor Lawrence from last year, or ask uh, Tua from the year before. You know, they played great offenses, but the reason that LSU and Clemson won the last two championships was because the opposing quarterbacks were getting harassed all game long and couldn't get anything going
2: quarterback lead Joe Burrow won the title because he broke every quarterback record It's the
1: way football is right now we'll see come Friday this is a good argument gentlemen we have other arguments to get to
0: yeah we we gotta i I want to um I want to end this and go into a bonus episode so let me do a teaser because. I have found that, you know, 45, 50 minutes seems to be a good length of podcast, but I'm happy to continue here and release a bonus episode. So, um, what are we going to talk about in our bonus episode, Dan, that will come out, you know, shortly after you hear this one.
1: We don't need to do a bonus episode. This doesn't have to be long. we we'll just talk for five minutes at the end about 90s rock.
0: All right. I feel like this is going to get more heated than the championship discussion. All right. Scratch okay. that. Edit that this all out. Clap, go clap, over. recut. All right, okay. thanks, thanks for listening to that breakdown, folks. And now here's Dan Partridge with a closing five minutes on an unrelated topic.
1: All right, Tom, Eve Six Twitter is taking over America. It's so good. So-
0: they've they've ascended to the next level.
1: They are. They've moved up the power rankings on '90s band lists so far due to nothing to do with their music. Just giving it's the number one
0: Twitter account.
1: It's, It's by far the number one Twitter account right now. You get daily updates on everybody that you've ever listened to about how they're all fucking losers in Los Angeles. It's so great. Every day I laugh every single day. I laugh. So anyway, and he's
0: posting 70 tweets a day sometimes and they're, they're all goal. I mean, you know, 55 of the 70 are great.
1: Some of them literally make me cry laughing and I can't control myself.
0: Me too. And he's expanded into other territories. I mean, he has one about this. He goes, the Sopranos is the best show ever. And yes, I've seen the wire. That one cracked me up.
1: He's So funny. So anyway, we listened to some Eve six. I listened to, uh, some Eve six radio on Spotify and some nineties bands popped up. And I listened to some stuff, Tom and, You know, we always like to give an update on what's good and what's bad and what's just unbelievably terrible. I'm going to give you some initial thoughts over the last couple weeks of listening to 90s rock, which is funny because, like, when I'm on the highway, I can listen to it. But when I'm rolling – this is Arizona. It's sunny every day, so I got my windows down. I can't pull to a stop sign with some of these tracks playing. Uh, and look at the person next to me with a straight face. So I have to listen to this very carefully. Um, okay. I'm going to start with stuff that's horrible because we're on take the points week to go after the stuff that sucks first. All right. Uh, right off the bat, all songs by the terrible group cake cake is really bad. I can't take the lead singer, the way he talks, his tone it was kind
0: of kooky and goofy in the '90s, but if you listen to it now, it's unlistenable. All right, hang on, Dan. I, I already strongly disagree with you, and this is why the segment's going to go on for f- fifty-five minutes. But um, it, it, I think it would be helpful for the listeners if you could, as you go through these, you know, describe uh, whether or not you liked them all. I mean, you you kind of did it for cake, but it's good to know what you thought of them in the '90s versus now, for context.
1: In the, I thought they were okay. Like, I, I like if it was on the radio, I, I, I didn't mind it. But I never purchased a Cake CD with my own money. I didn't really like when it was on a mix CD. There, I was always neutral about Cake. Um, I was never excited if they were like, "Hey, yeah, we can go see this festival and Cake's there." But um, yeah, now they're just they're bad. Moving on, Third Eye Blind, horrible. Uh, I used to be a Stephen Jenkins truther in my earlier age, um, but like, there's some really cringe songs. Like the beginning of the song "Jumper" just makes you want to jump off the roof. Literally, it, it's <laughs> one of the worst five second intros of any song you could ever ask for.
0: It runs counter to the premise of the song.
1: Yeah, it actually would make you want to kill yourself. Uh, this next artist will make you want to kill yourself. The Money Money Boston's. Absolutely terrible. Even worse than I remembered. I didn't like them at the time, and it's another level of awfulness.
0: Now, what, now h- hang on. Are you listening just to the just to the impression that I get, or are there multiple Boston's tracks? Because they only
1: have tracks. There, there's that one from the Clueless soundtrack. Uh, that, that was that one too, and I think there's a cover. Because I listened sure. to I
0: listened to '90s Spotify mix a lot, and there's the impression that I get's the only one that ever pops up.
1: Well, I got two. Um, um, they are an easy segue into real big fish who are also another level of bad. Uh, just the whole ska thing in the nineties was just really bad. And um, last but not least, Jimmy's chicken shack. <laughs> I remember Jimmy's Chicken that Shack. From playing AK Rockathon, and one of their tracks came up on uh, Inside Out Radio. Not good. Very very bad. Um,
0: That's a deep cut, Dan. Uh,
1: thank you, Tom. I'm now going to list some things I, I I did enjoy, and then we'll talk about Everclear. Just to, just right. at the very. I'm
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to some of these.
1: That's fine. Okay, um, good. Um, Len, steal my sunshine. Very good. It's got some like synthesizer in it. It's got some keys. You got a guy singing. You got a girl singing. I think it holds up very well. Sounds very sunny, warm. Great track.
0: Len, uh, if I may interject, features the the main beat is a sample of a seventies disco song, which I think is why it held held up because that sort of a you know synth discoy. Uh I mean modern music isn't exactly like that era, but you know, that's come a little more back into style.
1: Foul point. Um next, Weezer, all good. Um especially obviously all the stuff off the blue album and Pickerton. That's
0: that's assumed, Dan, but we want to know what you think about the green album.
1: Uh those I don't really like so much. I really don't like HashPipe pipe and all that nonsense, but um, I will say that the first two albums are great, but that's kind of um, a little bit too mainstream. I'm going to finish with four more that are very good. Low by cracker. Really good. At the time I didn't really like cracker all that much when I was younger. Incorrect. Low holds up really good as a great '90s song. If you listen to it right now, and it doesn't sound too cheesy, it sounds pretty like cool and indie actually. And uh, nice job by Cracker. Ha- happily surprised by Cracker. Also, Marcy Playground, very good. Um, sounds kind of kooky and goofy, but again, very indie. And I can see some hipsters in 2019 singing "Sex and Candy" as like an original song. Correct. Um, we really know the difference.
0: Now, now, are we only listening to Sex and Candy, or are you hearing the uh, uh, lesser-known Marcy Playground singles?
1: Um, I grew up in upstate New York. There's 55 uh, Marcy Playground songs, according to K-Rock. But they, had, they have
0: three hits, three, three upstate hits, one normal hit.
1: Three upstate mega hits. Um, and last but not least, I think of all the songs from the 90s, the one that sounds the most modern to me, is coolest shaker, uh, wow. Top um, tons of synths and these different changing parts in the song, and these like waves and rides. Very similar to Tame Impala, to be honest with you. Um, that song was way the fuck ahead of its time, and Tapfa is the song that held up the most, the most to all the stuff I listened to. I'm,
0: I'm going to hold my, my replies till the end and do everything at once. I would like to let Ryan join this conversation and see if you have anything to add about cracker, specifically the ordering of songs on their CD. <laughs> oh,
2: you want to get in the 99 tracks on kerosene hat. Is that what you're getting at? That is
0: exactly what I'm getting at. Cracker is a great <laughs> band. Is, totally fucked themselves to by know. making their CD unlistenable.
2: Listen, the Spotify generation doesn't understand the joys of kerosene hat having 99 tracks on your disc, man. So you got to write it down on a little index card and stick it in the CD case with the, with which numbers are the good hidden tracks and which numbers are the, the shitty hidden tracks. And You know, it took a little, it took effort back then. And I, I appreciate that. So yes, big cracker fan as well. Uh, I will agree with Dan. Cake blows. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I remember being in grad school in potsdam, <laughs> fucking New York, laying on a couch in a dorm, and Cracker was playing outside my window in the quad, and I wouldn't even fucking walk outside to watch. I was like, ah, oh. well, I'm trying to watch a Nets Magic game, and I got cake playing. Some stupid, you know, going the distance. It was awful. They're terrible. Uh, Yeah, that's how bad they are. They were literally playing in my backyard and I wouldn't go out and see them. Uh, Which, by the way, was my father's favorite phrase as a kid. When, uh, When he would describe how bad a band was, that was his favorite way of describing it was, if they were playing in my own backyard, I wouldn't go outside to see them. It's stuck with me. It's like, I don't know if that's a dad joke, but it's my favorite Bill saying, and uh, I will keep that rolling forever. I love that. That's that's my way of describing how bad a band can be.
0: I think that's, I, I wouldn't consider that a dad joke as the dad of the group. I would consider that a solid. Sure. All right. What, all right. El, what else, Dan, before I offer my massive rebuttals to all many, right. many but not left. all of these.
1: Last but not least, but not least by shot, Everclear <laughs> is just one of the worst bands I've ever heard in my life. Now, at the time, Santa Monica was a great song. We also liked Heart Spark Dollar Sound. That was kind of cool. Then they had their big breakthrough album with like Father of Mine and Everything to Everyone. Those songs upon further listen are really terrible. Um, everything to everyone sounds like something that the three of us could write in five minutes. It has this cheesy, loopy like keyboard on it. And the whole time it doesn't change, it just plays the whole time throughout the song. The recording of her of, of, of it sounds terrible. His vocals are terrible, the guitar playing is terrible, the drums are cheesy they are so bad they've actually re-recorded those songs that, that that were hits back in the day in 2009 and re-released them on a CD everything they put out over the past 15 years has been covers by the way Tom they covered a death cab for cutie song I will follow you into the dark which is just Ben gibbard an acoustic guitar but they made it a cool punk metal version Ryan uh, I played some some fun stuff some Everclear earlier for him, and he described them as a terrible high school punk band is what he thought they sounded like. Um, I don't know how these guys were an actual rock band, but looking back on it, it's really, really cheesy, terrible stuff. Really terrible. Really not original. Absolutely terrible. Untalented. Everclear. Rock bottom. Holds up the worst of any of it.
0: All right. Uh, Let me start from the beginning. Give me a refresher on the the. Okay. Run run through all those bands Uh, again.
1: Bad List, Cake, Third Eye Blind, Boston's, Real Big Fish, Jimmy's Chicken check.
0: All right, let's let's stop there. Uh, uh, (laughs) I will not be making any defense of the ska era, the the ska and the swing era, whatever you want to call like Big Bad (laughs) Voodoo Daddy. That has no place in my heart, and that can go in the trash heap with the, you know other stuff that I don't like from the nineties. So take out those two bands, Jimmy's chicken shack. Like they don't, that's like giving a breakdown of like Tulsa football. Like it's not worth my time. You know what I mean? They're like, they're not at the level where we should talk about them. Cake. Uh, I will stand by, uh, the distance. I also like sheep go to heaven. Goats go to hell. You know, they are not, um, like there's a, there's a certain cheese to the songs, but it's like a, a lovable, campiness I would call it um so I'm fine with them I was never a huge fan I've never seen them in concert they're one of the rare 90s bands I haven't seen so I can't um tell you whether that like tiny keyboard um flute thing he plays like holds up live um
1: I'm guessing no
0: I'm I'm guessing also no but I I don't know for sure but I'm if going the distance comes on the radio, I'm cool. I'm not changing it. And uh, then uh, third eye blind third eye blind is great. Now we're talking, <laughs> we're listen, we're talking about studio tracks only third eye blind, sure. notoriously very bad live. Uh, Jenkins singing doesn't hold up there. There's no richness to the songs. I've seen them twice or maybe three times counting festivals. And, uh, you know, we're talking studio tracks only the first album is great front to back. Uh, jumper is my least favorite song on the album. So I don't even care that that doesn't hold up. Um, they, their second album is pretty good. And their 2008 album, Ursa minor is a hidden gem, which I really like. Uh, and so I stand by them fully and I enjoy the stories about them too. I don't care that he's not a nice guy or whatever, you know, I'll listen to a third eye blind uh, album or mix nowadays. That's it.
1: Uh, okay. okay I'm proud. I'm proud to
0: enjoy in. third eye blind.
2: Okay. Quick question. Did you ever watch, you watched the show Californication, right? Yes. Back in the day, company. Oh yeah. Okay. Remember the season where. Runkle was representing Rick Springfield. Yes. And like, he was like the biggest asshole, like scumbag of all time. I just have always imagined that was actually that's Stephen Jenkins in real life. Like when I think of Stephen Jenkins, I think of Rick Springfield from Californication. I don't know why, but that's the the only association my brain can make. I think uh, though
0: that was always his um he always had a reputation as that. And the Eve six guy on Twitter has pretty much confirmed it that he's a huge asshole, but you know, I don't like, I'm not hanging out with the dude having a beer. Like I'm just listening oh, to the studio. And also
2: the talent was part of it too. That like he had like one to three hits, but actually had no real talent.
0: I mean, Bob That's- Dylan had no real talent, but he's still one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Like it's, it's a about- wait. what did you just say? I said, Bob Dylan plays open chords and can't really sing. I mean, he technically, if you're breaking it down on paper, doesn't have the, you know, the musical talent of like a Hendrix or whoever, but he's able to write great songs, which makes him one of the greatest all time.
2: Hendrix was covering Bob Dylan songs. His biggest hit was a Bob Dylan cover. We need to go back to the nineties. Oh my God, Tom, we're going to. I think you're, my, my point
0: is that you can't, you can't, you know, do test scores on paper to determine what makes someone talented. Bob Dylan played G, D, C, E minor for every single song.
2: He had 12-minute opuses. Like, how can you say he played four? Like, that's insane. Like, you're thinking of, like, what, three albums from, like, early on? Like, the guy's catalog is outrageous. He invented, like, things in music. Like, listen to the basement tapes with the band. It's re- ridiculous they were making instruments literally taking apart shit and building instruments to create sounds that have never been made like talentless come on all right, man. All right. Like, we're,
0: we're getting off track this is this is VR. this is not how i meant this to come off what i was trying to say is that like just because you play simple chords doesn't make you automatically bad or just because your singing oh. voice isn't conventionally good you know what i'm saying yeah.
2: I, I just I don't think Jenkins can write a good song. I don't think he can sing. I don't think he can does he even play guitar for that band. Like he's got no talent.
1: He's I just a, I don't think they're any good. He's Jenkins. <laughs> he sings jumper. He wish you would step back from that ledge.
0: I know that I'm never gonna win any cool points by liking them, but Third Eye Blind writes catchy songs. Their albums are listenable front to back, most of them. And uh they they are good at what they do. Live music not being part of that.
1: My blood is boiling.
0: It's fine. <laughs> I'm
1: going to listen to this podcast if I ever like need to get fired up before a workout. I'm going to be like, where's that goddamn 90s debate with Z? And he's like, oh, he's talking about that third, Eye line album that no one knows. <laughs> Ursula. Ursula. <laughs> hey, Ursula. oh anyway
0: all um, right i want to state for the record that bob dylan's great and that that was not the point i was trying to make
1: okay fair (laughs) tell me about everclear let's end this goddamn podcast for the night
0: all right uh i think i agree with you with the middle group for the most part um everclear same deal uh not very good live simple songs but effective um, they, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you guys are looking for. And I know for a fact you were rocking out to those songs in the nineties. So, you know, not all music is written for uh 40 year old dudes who want like 15 layers of synth. You know, these are songs written for 16 year olds, which is what we were at the time. Uh, the, the, so much for the afterglow album holds up pretty well in my opinion, The hit songs off that were never the best songs on that album to begin with. The the, so much for the afterglow, the song Amphetamine, um, California King, Why I Don't Believe in God, the songs at the end, like those are the ones that make that album. The hidden track, I'll Be Hating You for Christmas, I put it on the other day. Oh my god. I think uh I think I'll agree with you. The production value, I mean, it's better than the the first well, they had a, a first first album, but the Santa Monica album, you know, the production value isn't great on that whole album. I think uh Santa Monica, your uh Dan Sr. once said it was the best song of the entire nineties. So I'm I'm a little appalled you would go against the music legend on this one.
1: It was high a lot. It was <laughs> <Park star. laughs> He he wasn't sober a lot. It was hard to take anything he said serious.
0: Well, he was right about that. He introduced us to The Who. He introduced us to Frank Zappa. And he said that Santa Monica was the best song of the 90s. And I think he was, uh, uh, I was going to say three for three. I wouldn't put Santa Monica number one of the 90s, but it's a very good classic song that you don't have to skip. Uh, "Heartspark Dollar Sign Rules. That's a great song. Then and now. There's some other ones on that album. Um, like heroin girl that hold up pretty well, but it, yeah, it's the so much for the Afterglow album that was a seminal pop punk album in our high school era, and uh, yeah, I mean nothing, nothing that we loved at sixteen is gonna hit exactly the same way. But you know, they again wrote good songs. Um, they were good at what they did, so it's it's not fair to compare it to some of the other stuff. You know, it's not fair to compare them to Pearl Jam or Nirvana or Tame Impala or whatever else. They're,
1: they're, they're, they're like just comparatively like Eve Six is better. Like they're no, way better. No, 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 way. Yes. Eve,
0: Eve Six is two or three, their two best songs are higher than most of the bands or all the bands you mentioned. But as a whole catalog, Everclear has got way more good songs. Eve Six has way more uh, filler. The other one I'll and, mention is uh, Harvey Danger is the song that holds up the best and sounds the most modern of all the 90s rock of, you know, the that variety. Flagpole Sitter is so well produced. The lyrics sound a little quirky and it could have come out yesterday and it would still be a huge hit. So much along the lines of like Steal My Sunshine. I feel like that song's only improved.
1: Harvey Danger. Whatever happened to them, Tom? They put out sub Give me some info on them.
0: Harvey Danger... Uh, was basically an indie band that had a freak hit, um, and they're they're very popular in smallish cults. They've continued to release music. I think their singer was, uh, I think he did some songwriting stuff for other people or production, um, a lot like a to a lesser degree like a Dan Wilson of Semisonic or a Butch Walker of Marvelous Three. You know, guys who had moderate success on their own, but then went on to have greater success uh, behind the soundboard, I believe, although I, I could be confusing him with someone else. Butch sorry, Walker, sorry. man, Butch Walker of marvelous three, who would have thought that the guy who sang freak of the week and every Monday, which were upstate hits, which most of America doesn't even know went on to be like one of the most prolific songwriters of this century.
1: Impressive. There were some other random songs that came up I listened to. Them. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about this song. Anytime Free- you
0: hear an artist like um like uh, Marcy Free- Playground or Free- something, and you're like, these guys were really good, what happened to them? Almost definitely the band broke up and the singer or creative force became a producer for somebody else. Almost every single time.
1: Jeez, dude, the, the, the running back from Oklahoma just... Uh, had a he's gonna you're gonna see this highlight for a while. He's coming out of the draft too, Stevenson. He'd be a stud pickup for somebody. He's looking quite good. He's looking, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, beast, beasting, dude. Jesus, he just broke like ten pentac- Like this was really it's like a video game. Sorry to interrupt, Tom.
0: No, it's fine. But, uh, I'm gonna have to uh, cut a lot of this anyway because we've gone long I feel as like.
1: I feel like your, your knowledge of the nineties rock is like when you have a friend who you think has a drinking problem, but it turns (laughs) out they just like have like a bunch of cocaine everywhere and it's way worse than you thought.
0: (laughs) Well, I look at it more like your knowledge of the super Mario video game franchise where you could beat it in like seven minutes and it was very impressive, but didn't actually help in life in any way.
1: Similar, similar. I'm like, you know, I think Tom might know a little bit about every third cell. You're like, California King, amphetamine, <laughs> listing them off. Like they're, you're like, I got a couple kids, that one and that one. But I'll tell you, California King, that's the one you're able to list off the names very quickly.
0: Well, here's the thing about having kids. Like, you got, well, there's many things about having kids, but here's the music <laughs> related one is that you basically just freeze like a year or two before you have kids. Like if I were to ask you guys, what's the last like album you really enjoyed or what's like your last great album, probably something from the last two, three years. Yes. You know, for me it's uh, 2014 and then even before that, I probably have to go back to like, I don't know, 2011 or something. You know, I probably only have two great albums from the past decade. You know, the last great album I can remember really loving and playing constantly was the one Vampire Weekend album, um, which I think was 2014. After that, there's not an album I love or has been in heavy rotation. And you just, you know, I mean, I shared it with you guys. You know, my top spun Spotify album of the year was the Moana soundtrack, followed closely by the Frozen soundtrack. So, you know.
1: Two great picks. I'm just, I'm I'm out
0: of the game. So I probably lean more on the the stuff that I do remember than you guys. But, uh, I will stand by a lot of those songs and, uh, you know, they don't get a free pass just because they're from the nineties. You know what I mean? Like real big fish sucks. That one comes up on a nineties mix that I listen to occasionally. And it really is even worse than like, uh, we thought originally, which we were not fans of ska music. So.
1: That, that was always shitty. And you know what? Like, I can't stand the ska stuff so much that I can't even watch Swingers anymore. Like, if Swingers comes on, I'm like, nope, nope, I can't deal with these fake ska dudes. Can't do it. Can't do it. Next. I, I, I can't watch that movie anymore. It's literally blacklisted.
0: I'm trying to think of some examples of stuff that I did like back then that have not really held up at all, but I, nothing comes off the top of my head. Oh, The Offspring. The Offspring's a band that... I really liked when we were like 14 and like, I'll listen to some, but uh, they really don't hold any, the same kind of like reverence for me now. Like I, they're easily skip
1: well, early stuff. Probably I'm guessing like anything off Americana definitely is like cheesy. But oh, I've well, actually- I mean,
0: pretty fly for a white guy. Although I will say we can, <laughs> this is a good one. You know, my kids, you know, in daycare, they're learning, uh, numbers and they do it in English and in Spanish. And uh, I think I've screwed them up because as I tried to do Spanish counting, I do, uh, what is it? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. I do the five twice because the offspring have ruined my counting in Spanish. my My kids are suffering at the hands of the offspring.
2: Well, it could be worse. You could be infecting them with Bono's counting of uno, dos, tres, catorce. That's right. One, it's two, three, three, three 14. fourteen. Jesus. At least you're going. You're, you're you know you might have just accidentally a repeated on. a five. That's okay. That of can course. be an
1: honest mistake. You know, like at least at least you're doing that. Thank God, none of us were really into YouTube. I mean, ugh.
0: what uh what musicians y- you think of like taught people more uh facts or like other languages or or like what what's something you guys have learned. Or you think a lot of people have learned solely from music. Like anytime I hear people use the word animosity, I assume they got it from Snoop Dogg. Like they didn't learn that in a class. You know what I'm saying? Possible. I bet you more people have learned to count to five in Spanish from the offspring than from school, from the American education system. Hmm. Something to consider.
2: I mean, mean, you would probably have to say it would be, um, they might be giants. Oh,
0: that Istanbul right. was Constantinople.
2: Yeah. Like, that's yeah,
0: I bet you more people learn that from that song than from school.
2: Yeah. That's the one that comes to mind to me first. That's a good example. Yeah,
0: that's like very that. good. Yeah. All right. Think about this for next week. This will be a whole another bonus. Had a
1: line like that. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Anything to uh, end on? I'll give you guys the last word.
1: Oh, uh, hmm.
2: yes. Since we don't really talk about it much on this podcast, can we just say to end this thing? Oh, don't jinx some.
1: Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Were they- no. Don't do it. No, I'm just saying uh-uh. we're the AFC
2: East champs. I'm just going to say, hey, we've never been able to say this in the history of this podcast. You can cut it. That's fine. That's fine. But in the history of this podcast, we've never been able to say that we're the AFC East champs. Oh, that's, that's not said. that's not
0: true. I mean, since you joined the podcast in like 2012, we haven't said it. But, you know, Dan and I used to record these on cassettes and mail them to people back in 95. Yeah, we did.
1: Cassette. Cassette 95. We're like, Buffalo Bills <laughs> every year like clockwork the patriots punching bag
0: yeah oh yeah take the points was good back then you know it was like oh, hey welcome to take the points you guys catch that uh episode of beavis and butthead oh that was a good one anyway uh, here's our outro music mother 94 all right enjoy the games everybody have a happy new year and be safe and uh we'll see you in a week or so good
1: night happy new year tom
0: dan what song do you want to end on steal my sunshine yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, good night, everyone. Very dramatic.
1: I think they talk.
0: This is why we should probably preview songs before we just play them unauthorized. All right. Oh, hey, uh, there it goes. Hey, All right. Good night, good night folks. I
2: uh, haven't hey, we'll to him. He look uh, <laughs> uh-huh. looks pretty head uh, down. He looks pretty head down. I, like like a I always
0: thought that was David Spade talking. I, it might be. It might be from a movie. I'm not sure. But this is a brother and sister group who uh, never really had another hit. Like, this was kind of a mistake hit.
2: But yeah, I'm with you.
0: This song rules. <laughs> I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try, try to do a live crossfade out with our um, Take the Points closing theme song. Here we go. Good night folks. Faded the wrong lever at first, so it took a minute.
1: Sure, <laughs> Technology stipends yeah. very hard to work through. i never sure think up so bad before. before. I did once before. But oh, this is pretty bad. Bad. Yeah, what do you think she got up to last night?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. I gotta run. I'll talk to you soon.